This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. That was a terrible intro, but you know what? Who cares? Because tonight it is episode 239, and the countdown to Halloween Potathon continues. It is day 14. We have now been at this for two solid Weeks, we are raising funds to help New Alternatives, which is an organization right here in New York City, which helps homeless LGBT teenagers get off the street, not just for tonight, but for good. And it turns out, for those of you who listened yesterday, I made a boo-boo. Yeah, I told you that today we were going to be talking about the Grave Dancers with Troy Escamilla and actor Roger Connors. Well, that was a complete lie. No, it was a mistake. You know what? I can't read my own schedule. You know why? Because the schedule is a calendar, and calendars have numbers, and numbers are math. Anyway, that's not true. I got all focused on having to record an episode this late in the game last night with Roger and Troy that I thought I had to have it out. Today, when in fact the schedule said otherwise, that episode comes out tomorrow. Well, what are we doing, Patrick? Shush, 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 shush. I'll tell you, we are going all the way back to the 1970s for a bit of Art Deco weirdness. I actually loved when this movie used to come on TV, that in the TV guide, normally when it would say like movie title and then parentheses comedy or parentheses western, parentheses action, parentheses drama, this one just said weird. Because it is. And I'm talking about the Vincent Price classic, The Abominable Dr. Fives. And I'm going to be joined by two theater folks. I'm going to be joined by my old friend, John Clemo, and one of the kings of New York Independent Theater, Mr. Vincent Murano. So like the heart that lingers in Murano. That's a deep cut musical theater joke that none of you got. And I don't know why I even shared it. And you are going to enjoy the hell out of both of them because they had some insight into this movie that I didn't and I was not expecting. And they blew my mind. And based on how dirty the discussion got, I'm surprised I didn't make an innuendo there. But I guess by not making an innuendo, I've just made the innuendo. And by the way, for those of you who are new to the show, because I know I've been picking up a lot of listeners doing the Potathon, new listeners, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. And normally, twice a month, I'm your guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But there's a catch. You have to see them through my very, very, very gay little eyes. What does that mean? Well, you're going to find out. Even though things are different here right now, because instead of only coming twice a month, shut up, mind out of the gutter. See, this is John Clemo's and Vinny's fault. This is Clemo, Clemo and Vinny, this is your fault. I can't get my mind out of the gutter today, and I like it. But anyway, instead of putting out a show twice a month, I'm coming to you every day 
for the 21 days counting down to Halloween, I am putting out an episode a day, and not a mini-episode, jam-packed with great guest stars and from all different fields, from podcasting, from stand-up comedy, from filmmaking, and all kinds of things, every single day. 21 shows in 21 days. That is a monumental amount of work for a solo podcaster. Well, why are you doing it, Patrick? Well, like I said, the teen homeless population is already out of control, okay? But within that population, the number of those homeless teenagers who identify as LGBT are at epidemic proportions. The percentage is massive. Almost half of homeless teenagers identify as LGBT. Normally, one in 10 people identify as LGBT. And all of a sudden, that number jumps to four out of 10? That ain't right. And that comes from being not accepted at home and all these other bad things. And the other problem is that the studies are showing that once an LGBT teenager becomes homeless, they tend to remain homeless. And that is why I am raising money for New Alternatives, which is a small organization in New York City, which is independent. So they don't have to answer to anybody. They've made their own rules. They're bypassing a lot of the government red tape that keeps LGBT kids out of the system or allows them to be discriminated against by the system. They are able to bypass that and they do brilliant work getting kids not just a home, but an education, medical care, HIV testing, psychological care, whatever they need to become the person that they want to be and not just another statistic. And for that, For the 21 episodes, in just 21 days, I'm asking you donate $21. That's a dollar a show. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Pocket change, if you think about it. And just to be clear, I'm not asking you to donate that $21 to me. No, 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 no. This is not about me. I have a whole webpage set up so that money goes directly to new alternatives and gets put to work immediately. And you can do that by heading over to http colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq. And I have to say the whole thing every time because if you only put in, if you don't put in the HTTP, HTTP, the link doesn't work. I don't know why, it just doesn't. But you know what? It's just one more obstacle and you can jump it. And I'm back to innuendos. God damn it. Okay, so you know what's happened in the past couple of hours? You know how Smoochie broke my grown-up microphone, so I've had to use this crappy headset mic, and that's why it's a little bit buzzy. So, you know, I'm using Zoom to get this great sound quality, but it's not really working because my mic sucks. Well, guess what? I stepped on my microphone last night, the headset mic, and I snapped the headband. So I'm standing here. I'm sitting here right now holding the earpiece in place so that I can talk to you because if I don't hold it, it's gonna, the microphone goes up against my mouth, and that's really not acceptable. I can't, I can't have you that close to my mouth. That's in podcasting. No, no. Stop. Mind out of the gutters. I'm telling you a problem. Gosh. So I am going to have to go and either hunt down the proper equipment today to replace the grown-up mic that Smoochie broke or go to Best Buy and get another shitty headset mic. It's probably going to be the latter. Oh, well, but you know, I just, I cannot do the rest of the pot of on 
like this. I've got a piece of plastic on the other side of my head digging directly into my skull. So we are going to make this part of the show as quick as possible, says the man who's been babbling nonstop. You hush your mouth. You hush your mouth right now. So I have some people to thank. Because bless the Lord, oh bless the Lord my soul, the donations have started moving again. You guys scared me yesterday, but I guess getting a visit from the ghost of Jim Allen helped motivate some people, which is great. And uh, first, but not in the... (laughs) Sorry, plastic. The digging into my skull got really deep right then. Sorry about that. But I want to thank Kristen Petty. From the Killing Your Drawings podcast, she and, and who beautifully sang the Rainbow Connection for us yesterday, and we just heard her on the Leslie Vernon episode. She donated a nice, a very nice twenty-two dollars. Thank you, Kristen, Trey Dean, who we just heard on the Where Rabbit episode. Where Rabbit episode donated fifty dollars, fifty dollars. Thank you, Trey, for the fifty dollars. And he says, "Thank you. You're doing a great thing, Patrick." You deserve all the tiaras for this. For this, Trey? I didn't deserve all the tiaras before this. How very dare you? You would be dead to me if I wasn't so much in love with you. I love you, Trey. Thank you so much for the donation. And coming back to the two anonymous donations, one uh, was submitted with a note that said, I actually donated to the non Green Queen's branded donation page. So, of course, I had to donate again for Patrick to get his credit for his earnest efforts for this cause. Uh, you know what? That would I, you know, If you donated, that's fine. It's great. It, yeah, I get closer to my number, but that's not important. I mean, it is important, but the important thing is that you donated to New Alternatives in the first place. That you've done it twice? Oh, Anana Mouse, you're my favorite mouse of all, except for the other Anana Mouse, which I love. It's so Shakespearean. Anana Mouse! John Clemo is on the floor laughing right now. <laughs> Anana Mouse, who just quietly and without comment did, donated $11. And I'm happy to see this. This is the first donation that I've gotten in the whole chain that was less than the $21 that I've requested. And I hope that they didn't make this an anonymous donation because they were embarrassed by the amount because that is not what this is about. No. I keep saying $21 if you can. Donate more if you can. If $10 was all you got, thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. It's not even about the numbers anymore. It's about action. Doing nothing is the worst thing people can do. You know, that's what that old saying, you know. What the definition of evil is a good man who does nothing. Let's evil happen, whatever. But he stepped up. That $10 will be put to very, very good use. So thank you, Anonymous. And that's what we got for today. We are at about 45%. We've got a long way to go, but we still got, eh, what, seven days to the end of the Potathon, seven days to Halloween, plus the Halloween show. And there's a live show after that, and the donation pages are going to be open through the middle of November. So if you're coming to this late and think you've missed it, maybe you haven't. 
And if you're coming to this late and you have missed the cutoff date, donate anyway. Don't have to do it through my page. Do it through the new alternatives page. Just donate. That's the important thing, and that will make me happy. You can send me a note and say you did it. That would be cool. Just so – I mean I don't want it for my credit. I would just like to know that somebody was moved and, and took – you know, I'm babbling. I just said I wasn't going to talk a lot, and here I am. Yammity, yam, yammity, yam, yam, yam. By the way, this is funny. I just had my flu shot, so that's probably not helping either. I always get a little weird after my flu shot. After your flu shot, Patrick? Shut up! Shut up, but I just found out that Scream Queens made the list of the top 25 gay podcasts for 2018. And here I am today putting out this complete babble sode. But you know what? We're going to make up for it in the main segment when John and Vinny come on to talk about the abominable Dr. Five. So you know what? Why don't I just stop talking and play that trailer? Oh, no, I can't do that. Oh, my God. I'm fired. I'm <laughs> If you want to be like all these cool donors, which I hope you do at this point, because we need you, you head on over to http colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives nyc slash sq and make your donation in out done beautiful. And I will thank you. On the show, and everyone will be so impressed, and I will be impressed, and everyone will be happy and crying. You know what? We're just going to play a trailer. Oh, God. It's so hot in here all of a sudden. You know what? I think I need to lay down after this. Because you remember how I said I always get a little weird after blue shots? This is a little weirder than my normal weird, which is appropriate. How did they describe Dr. Five in the TV guide? Weird. I'm sensing a theme. Possibly played by a pipe organ. What lovely music for a murder, or two, or three, or nine. Who's this? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet a dear friend. Nine killed you. Nine shall die. Your wife, no fives. But you I will kill. But you can't, Doctor. I am already dead. Here, how are we going to get him off this? You take his head, and I'll take his feet. Let's unscrew him. Dr. Vibes, who samples the finer things of life in his own inimitable way and experiments with fascinating instruments of death. The what, sir? The guitar. The ten curses visited upon the pharaohs before Exodus. Nine shall die. Nine eternities in doom. The curse of boils, of bats. Frogs? Of frogs, yes. And the curse of blood. The curse of hail in the bloody middle of nowhere. 
Doctor Five. Probably the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. So for this leg of the Countdown to Halloween Marathon, we're going to look at a cult classic that has endured for ages. And, you know, I'm bringing on some cult classics from my life. Yes, sir, Bob. One is an actor I worked with at one of the strangest little theaters in California and survived some of the most strange people while we were there. And the other is a titan of the New York independent theater scene who is also absolutely fabulous. I can't even hold in my excitement anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, John Clemo. Delighted. Hey, I want to talk about Vincent Price so much. I'm sorry. I will do so as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking for John Clamo and Vincent Morano. Are they there, please? Did I get the wrong number? <laughs> now you got me. I'm Vinnie Morano. Oh, you're acting. You fooled me. Oh, you I'm guys. i on my faux accent. You are so talented. Oh, my God. Both of you. Oh, out of my oh, throat please. Right oh, now. please. Oh, please. Please stop. Okay. So, guys, welcome to Scream Queens. Yay. Such a thrill yeah. to have you both on. So, we're just going to take a minute to talk about you guys so that my audience knows who the heck you are. So, John Clemo and I, well, we worked at a theater in California, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. A couple of times, I think. Yes, yes. The, the, the great American melodrama and... All singing, all dancing. All, that's right, all singing, all dancing, all weird. Yes. All, all weird, weird little place, great little place, but it's weird. <laughs> but, uh, yes, located in the scenic Steinbeckian town of Oceano, California, and Steinbeckian is called <laughs> a rundown like, slum. Like Cannery Row. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they make it's real estate talk for slums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But stylish with uh, houses on stilts. Houses on stilts. There's a beach right there, and hey, we've got theater <laughs> and roving and roving street gangs where you can boo at people and throw your food on the floor. <laughs> yes, that is it. Yes, and so Vincent, I, well, I met Vincent when I was doing one of the shows over at the you know Rest in Peace Manhattan Theater. So, see, wait, it's Theater Source, right? Theater Source and the Crane, Astro Genius. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and he is just such a big bundle of wonderful, one of the warmest, kindest, funniest guys. I don't know why I put him on with Clemo. Ah, fuck you both. Vincent, yeah, exactly. Vincent, Vincent wants somebody to, once early on in my melodrama years, uh, you know, in a mid-season, we were having a party and someone who didn't work there was like, oh, tell me about this person. Tell me about that person. Tell me about this person. Tell me about... Tell me about John Clemo. And I said, well, Clemo, he's kind of like Squidward from SpongeBob if he carried a zip gun. <laughs> John has perfected the curmudgeon. Oh. But the, but the lovable curmudgeon. Yeah, he, he seems adorable, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping. I, I, I try to go for adorable curmudgeon. Uh-huh. Which, uh -huh. by the way, never, ever, ever got me laid. So no, 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 no. You got laid more often when people are like, oh, my God, it's Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> well, that hat does it. 
Now you're you're talking about that other photograph. That photograph, that photograph is on the wall there, Patrick. You rock that scarf, baby. Oh, thank you very much. Uh-huh. It, was my, it was my Doctor Who phase. Oh, yeah. yeah, actually, it looked more like Truman Capote with a shot at testosterone. <laughs> Somebody compared me to uh, Orson Welles as well. Excuse me, I find that very offensive. I'm sorry, that I can't. I don't know what you. I don't remember what you. I can't do a Truman Capote. I'll be here all week. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Yada, welcome to the marathon. Patrick's giddy. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's giddy had to have three cups of coffee to get on the show. So here we go. So the movie that we are talking about is the Vincent Price classic, The Abdominable Doctor Phil. Close. Very close. Abominable Dr. Fives. Oh, shit. I watched the wrong movie. No wonder there was so much sex in it. Oh. <laughs> well, he had good abdomens, that's for sure. He did. <laughs> okay, no. We're talking about the Abominable Dr. Fives. And, oh, God damn it. I'm getting another goddamn call. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm going to lock this meeting. That's something I forgot to do. So we will fix this part in post. Da, da, da. Manage participants. La, la, la. Lock the meeting. Yeah, that should keep them out now. All right. So hopefully we will not be disturbed by buxom blondes who want to perform for me. Not for you. For me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The two okay. heterosexuals are like, why aren't they asking to perform for me? Why are they asking the big homo? You sure that wasn't Volnavia making a special request? Oh, Volnavia. Uh, well, I don't know. Can she type? She can't talk. Well, she could do everything else. Anyway, we're way ahead of ourselves. So, since you guys are the guests, there is a tradition on the show, a little game I like to play with my guests, and you guys can fight it out. I might have to split it between you guys if the first one I choose fucks you up. You know what? Since I haven't seen John Clamo in what? Two decades? It's close to two decades, I think. Almost two decades. I'm going to choose John to play the game first. John. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay, yes? Uh I need you to give me your best 30-second elevator speech plot summary of Dr. Fives. Don't give me a blow-by-blow. Well, you can give me a blow, but don't give me a blow-by-blow. But, you know. Pitch me, pitch me the script as if I'm a movie executive in an elevator in 30 seconds. The clock starts now. Okay, it's a we, we got Vincent Price who stars as a who stars as a, a, a doctor of something we're not quite sure what, who is taking a horrible, horrible revenge upon the nine doctors that he believes murdered his wife on the operating table. Oh, by the way, I should mention that he's been in an automobile accident and he has no face, no voice, and apparently. You did very well. You should have ended. You should quit while you're ahead, John. <laughs> you should have ended with no character. That was a good button. <laughs> well, that was a good button. Edit, edit that and post it. Yeah, well, you know, that's what when you hit Volnavia, you hit the button. Uh, <laughs> because it sounds like a dirty thing that's not. It's not <laughs> yes, yes, no. yes. You know how people are like, I can't believe that character is named after a vagina. I'm like, it's not. No, Vivian. Uh-huh. The variant on Vivian. Uh huh. I'm like, it's Vol. Navy, not Volvania. It's Volvania. Welcome to Volvania. <laughs> yeah, like, like, 
Well, okay, that's it. Come on back. <laughs> oh no, there ain't no, there ain't no, there ain't no coming back. No, no, there ain't no coming back. No, 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 no. And now we're now we've got now we've got what do they call that? Vagina dentata stuff happening. Yes, the Navy would definitely have a vagina dentata. Okay, so yes, that's absolutely correct. John did a very good job. What what important detail did he leave out, Benny? He does it by the uh, the ten plagues that affected the pharaohs from from Exodus. Mm -hmm. He kills them all according to the ten plagues, which is kind of weird because there's nine people and ten plagues. So you till the end you don't figure out that he's the last one. Spoiler, sorry. No, that's okay. The movie's nine thousand years old. It's not bad. I was like, it's, <laughs> the movie it doesn't make any sense until you realize that one of the doctors has a conjoined twin. <laughs> 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 that he consumed in the uterus and it's <laughs> what if i got nothing like the nurse in south park with one on the side of her head oh please kill me god, yes oh my gosh so yeah and i, I got, go no, ahead no no guests always have the right of way all right i just except love the way. when they don't which is right <laughs> now no no normally you have the right of way if i'm trying to steer you back to something then and i keep interrupting you that's why i'm trying to say we got to move on from that point but in general I will always back off to a, a guest. Did I say back off or Jack? Yeah. Never mind. Shh. One of the best parts of the movie is how they adapt the plagues to fit the crazy story. I agree. I agree. Can we talk about Vincent Price in general for a bit? Genius. By all means. Growing up in New York, they had something called the 430 movie. It ran from Monday to Friday at 430 in the afternoon. Exactly. Shit stopped when the 430 movie came on like there'd be like you know, you know there'd be kids playing on the street one second the next second it'd be like you know big wheels with the wheel spinning in the air and kind of thing just like the empty swing swinging nobody on the street because the 430 movie was on and it would always have theme weeks it'd be like it's planet of the apes week on the 430 movie it's giant animal week and my favorite was edgar Allan poe week which yeah. almost always had vincent price in it so i cut my teeth as a horror movie fan on these Vincent Price movies. Ugh. Oh yeah, all those old Hammer films with him and Peter Laurie doing their doing the Edgar Allan Poe, the loosely baked Edgar Allan Poe shtick. Yeah. Uh, who, Comedy of Horrors. Comedy right. of Horrors with Peter Laurie, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great one. Yeah, Mask of the Red Death, all that stuff. This one I did not see though. This one was never included in anything and never ran on any of the other you know, Fright Night kind of monster creature feature things that I saw. So I did not see this until I was in high school. It's too weird. It is really, this is a weird movie. That's, I love it for that. It's completely weird. Uh-huh. It inspired a lot of people, I think. It's everything in it. I mean, I guess it would be really groundbreaking for the time because it really doesn't make a lick of sense. No, but, but it's still incredibly entertaining. You have no dialogue for practically the first 10 minutes. Oh, I wrote that down. It is 10 minutes and 15 seconds before anybody speaks in a 90-minute movie. I love that. And you got the whole story. They set the whole shit up. You knew what was happening the whole time. You did? I thought so. I mean, you, you Well, know I mean, the first story. time I saw it, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> when he comes out with the, ru with the rubber cowl and mask I, I love, I, and starts playing, you know you got all the tropes. The fan of the opera shit sure. going on, you know sure. something's gonna happen. Oh, I guess he's a doctor of music, John. Yes, he's, oh, no, he's a doctor of theology. But he could do surgery apparently too. So, but you know, whatever. Okay, he's Dr. Fives, he could do anything. He's also, he's abominable and he's also amazing. He completely, he studied 
everything to make sure he could do this one damn thing. One of, the, one of the things I can't figure out is, you know, they, they set up the fact that he was, you know, burned to death in this car as he was racing to get to his wife, mm-hmm. not knowing full well that his wife had been dead six minutes after they actually put her onto the operating table. Yeah. But the um, but he's managing to do surgery with what had to be, unless his head was the only thing that burned. He's, he must have claws for hands. I'm wondering how he managed to get that key in next to the kid's heart. Uh, you know, to, oh, oh, Navia. What you don't know is that because you know, one of the things watching it this time, I said, "When is this?" But right. that's not the. I could not. I could not figure out a time period because there's so many conflicting things, like with costumes and furniture and stuff. That I figure it's yeah. any time. But I said at the time, John. What you don't know at the time the accident happened. What was really in fashion for a very brief period of time was the asbestos tuxedo. <laughs> yes oh yes yes it came, with, it came with a special a special tartan vest it was exactly <laughs> exactly and it had matching gloves that went along well, with it uh, well apparently apparently he did as best as he could he did <laughs> oh oh oh, oh oh and, and they did the whole thing with the voice box had nothing to do with you know, the, the fire, it had mostly to do with the mesothelioma caused by his fashion choices, but that's not <laughs> yeah. here nor there. Yeah. What I found interesting, what I found interesting in, in this case uh, about Vincent Price is that, you know, in the other films that we've mentioned so far, I mean, he's really just chewing the scenery and these other things, but this performance is, uh, I guess, as opposed to hot ham is cold ham. But to watch him, to watch him when he's actually speaking through this, you know, through the, the speaker, watching his vo- his his throat move and watching his head move subtly yeah. in in you know, it was really connected. So it was actually a, a really cool performance. Great reaction shots throughout. Just yeah. after the deaths, he would do these after shots. Uh, especially when he killed Terry jo- Terry Thomas. Terry Thomas, yeah. Uh, who evidently was they were just hinting at the guy liked early stag films. And so he, he looks at the paintings in his room and this is where I tell you, there's a plethora of tits and ass throughout the whole movie. He looks at the paintings in the movie and then looks at Terry Thomas like, Oh, you're, you're a bad boy. Um, Okay. Okay. And the other thing which I thought to build on that, you talk about his reaction shots, his face doesn't move because it's not his face. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. But it's, so but it's a completely subdued performance, mm-hmm. yet over the top. Yep. There were a the couple of time. times when you can. There were a couple of times when you'd see his head move forward, in you know being, uh, you know when he's being adamant, with the voice not showing that at all, but the physicality belying the you know belying the body uh, was it's really cool to watch. This was me as modern, you know grown-up actor dude i was watching him do all that throat work that okay that just sounded disgusting but you know what i mean <laughs> it's like because he's talking yeah he has a contraption you see for those who haven't seen the movie he can't speak anymore i guess his vocal cords were burned in the fire or scorched or whatever yeah. so he's got a hole in the side of his neck with a plug in it and so he'll plug a cord into the side of his neck every now and then when he's not drinking a martini or tasting Brussels sprouts through it. But <laughs> this was the only part of the movie where there was there was actually exposition from his character. Yeah, and they yeah. they um and then he'll plug the other side into 
an oldie timey Victrola. So he's speaking sort of through that. So his mouth isn't moving, but you're seeing all the muscles of his throat. Mm hmm. Yeah. As if he's speaking. And this is me as grown up actor going, oh my God, he's going to get notes and he's not even speaking. <laughs> I was very concerned for his vocal health. I'm sorry. I was. That was me. That was just me. Well, I just, there's, there's these great stories about his makeup that he, when they caked in the makeup, he couldn't, his face had a freeze, like you said. And he kept laughing every time he did things. <laughs> and, he to, and, he, and he had, they had to keep doing the makeup over and over. I think a, a American International Pictures went into over budget just on the makeup alone on this movie. Wow. Wow. Well, if they didn't do it there, they did it on the sets. Cause man, it, his lair is fabulous. <laughs> It's fabulous. It is Art Deco heaven and hell at the same time. And oh my so, God. This movie is unforgivable, like unapologetically weird right from the top. Like you see him playing as he, I mean, I, I personally cannot live in any sort of a home that does not have a hydraulic lift in it somewhere. <laughs> with, with, with a big, with a big uh, organ on it. And I'll, well, I'll if I'm on it, it's got a big organ on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. I left that to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and there is Dr. Fives at his mighty organ. <laughs> and also the Wurlitzer. <laughs> Could you imagine if Wurlitzer actually made a dildo? That would be an amazing thing. It'd be like a like a little concert. Oh my God! Play the William Tell Overture again. Oh God! What was I saying? It's his art deco, like fantasy everything's fabulous and he's got but it's unapologetically weird because it's not just like he's got an organ and he's in a rubber coat play like a rubber cape playing the organ and he's got gloves and it's weird already and he's got this weird assistant but he's got this clockwork band oh i love the band <laughs> and it's made weirder that it's obviously people in suits pretending to be a clockwork band but in my mind i'm going he actually has this you know he, he kidnapped people <laughs> <laughs> I was it makes them pretend to be a cock, clock. A cockwork band is what I just said. I hate myself. Yeah, that's okay. It probably was a cockwork band. They just couldn't show it back then. Uh huh. And he's got this assistant, Volnavia, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, and her, she granted this this the woman playing her was a fashion model. And so is Volnavia. Every time she comes on screen, it's another fabulous outfit. And sometimes she'll walk off screen and come back on two seconds later in the same scene in a completely different fabulous outfit. Oh, my. Towards the end. I don't know how she changed so damn fast. What you don't know is that she's from the same island Wonder Woman's from. Oh, my God. She would go off screen, spin around a bit, and come back. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the costumes on Volnavia were delightful. I, the, the character... I don't know, it confused me a little bit because at first when, you know, the first time I saw this film was you know, probably 1980. Uh, uh -huh. So, uh, and actually I was, uh, I only watched the film at the advice of Vincent Price, which is another wow. story altogether. But the... Um, oh, yeah, we're going to come back to that. Okay, well, we can come back to that. But Yeah, please finish your thought. Well, the question was, at first I thought, okay, she has, you know, you only see her for the most part unless she's dealing with, you know, Fives' revenge, uh -huh. which she yeah. shows absolutely no emotion one way or the other. 
Okay. Know, when he yep. when he comes up when he comes against he comes up with the uh, to the people that he is about to kill, you can see the hatred on his face. But she shows nothing. Nothing. At all. Right. And she spends a lot of time with the clockwork band. So I'm thinking, is she an advanced clockwork person? What? what I thought. Yes. What? He Westworld this she was shit. An android. Oh, that would make sense. That's why she doesn't talk. Right. Well, but she does, she, does, scream, she does scream, which kind of threw it all threw the theory all out of whack at the end. God damn it. And some because of the other characters said that she did talk. Yeah, yeah, but Very not much. Little, she She's got limited speech. She, like, he programmed her for, the, for speech for that interaction. Yeah, that would explain why she came back in the second movie. Uh-huh, you're right. But as a, but as a different actor, a different actress. Well, the same uh-huh, the well, he had to have a new model because the other one got destroyed by, well, got destroyed that is, by acid. That's <laughs> a good point. This, yeah. actually, this actually makes a lot of sense because I had a conversation with Vinny last night going, who the fuck is she? I, Where did I, he get this person? Because it's not his daughter. No, or anything like that. It's not, they don't give her any backstory at all. No. Like, how did they get involved with this? And like, where did he find another mute <laughs> for the second movie? It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Does and she I, also play a violin in the second movie like she does in this one? I don't remember. I haven't, I don't like, the, mm, I'm not a big fan of the second movie. Okay. And I have to make a confession. I'm not a big fan of this one either. Ah. Uh. Well, uh, I, I, I watched it last night. I was just like, uh, I can't, because the thing is, I'm spoiled. I want, like, one of my cool. favorites is Theater of Blood. Yeah. I will watch him in that movie a gazillion times. And I watching it this time, I said, my God, they really cut him off at the ankles at this movie because uh, with this movie because he, he doesn't get the chance to do the normal Vincent Price thing that you see, which he talked about, which is nice to see. But I kind of wanted to see that. And I kept confusing. The two movies, I'm like, oh, I remember this part. He's going to do – oh, no, he doesn't do that at all. Yeah. Hey, but it's such an efficient little movie, you know, even though it's got, like, three or four really big holes in it. It's really – I know, three or Leave four. Leave Valdavia alone. Please continue. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't, maybe that's unless you look at Kendall. There's nothing there. Uh, listen, she was a lovely person, lovely person. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was gorgeous. She was a great model. And, and Volnavia was played by, by this model named, coincidentally, Vagina North. Yeah. Oh, Virginia North. Sorry, can't read my handwriting. I did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but there was plenty of vagina on display in very subtle ways. Okay, because yeah, that's the way we were. Not on Zoom today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> my Patreon Whoa. clients will know what that's about, but you people listening on the regular show, like, what? Because you didn't hear that conversation. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, but no, it's it, it, it's fine. I appreciate what it is, and it must have been a big hit because I made a sequel, and I get it. And I can see it's groundbreaking, and I see like the art design I like and all that stuff. But overall, I was like, <clears throat> but you know, you know, I'm I, also I, burnt out. Yeah, I agree with Vincent that it's a very, I mean, it's a very compact movie. It's it it you know, it tells tells the story and just enough of the story to make it make sense. There's they don't waste time with exposition or backstory or anything like that. You 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 get uh a brief idea of, well, uh, uh, of his wife. Uh, uh-huh. you know, played by, her, played by Carol Monroe, everybody, even yeah. though it's only in pictures, Carol Monroe, who is, but was she lying next to him at the end? Yeah, that's true. That is true. You never see her. Yeah. <laughs> Cause well, I was going to say she's, she's horror movie legend in her own right, just yeah, because she was yeah. in Joe Spinell's maniac and we've covered her on oh, slaughter Carol high here Monroe, and oh, picture man. show. And she was also a model and I, she's got, Say horrible actress. 
<laughs> yeah, but she was used to her best effect in this movie. Exactly. This is her best performance because she doesn't have to do a damn thing. Right. <laughs> she does what she does best in those photographs, and then when she's actually in the movie, she doesn't have to do a fucking thing. So yeah. I think the problem is that she she didn't really die on the table. They just didn't know the difference because she shows no emotion. <laughs> <laughs> is she dead? I don't know. She I don't might know. Is she dead? <laughs> But I mean, they give they 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 say what she you know say say what she died of, but they don't say what she died of. They say they performed a you know a resection, an emergency resection, which but, only assume was for a tumor that lasted. Then she lasted six minutes on the table, so she was either really far gone, or they're really really bad doctors. All nine of them. Uh huh. I, I think it's a bowel resection. I'm sorry. Oh, a bowel I thought it was a heart thing. So we're all, we see, I figured since it was six minutes, it's normally the time you got for heart surgery where you have to stop the heart. Well, you got six minutes to restart sense. it again. Because of the key, because that, of the key thing. Yeah, that's what I assumed. But whatever, who knows, who knows, who knows. It doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter. The details no, in this do no. not matter. And if no. you spend a lot of time on them, you'll drive yourself crazy like we are. But it, you get like John said. You're absolutely right. You get just you get what you need to know to move the story along. Right, and basically we got, we got a lot of people to kill. We can't be sitting around. And, 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 and the most and the most important, you know, the most important exposition was from the rabbi who tells us, yeah, he's going to do this nine times or ten times. Yeah, he's going to do oh, it with well, all these things. Played, played by Welshman Hugh Griffith, who plays an Arab in Ben Hur. He sure does. Like Go to. Jew throughout British theater. Uh -huh. The go-to Jew. Wow. Well, that's the other thing. I, I, I looked at a lot of the cast, because like with Theater of Blood, I hate to keep comparing the two, because I know it came later, so they kind of perfected the craft by then, this yes. whole concept. It is a who's who of British actors. Like, everybody has, you know, IMDb lists, you know, yeah. that are like seven feet long. But... I only recognize one of them. So there wasn't that kind of fun. But it's I British guess movies. Who cares? That's I realize. Excuse me. It's from American International Pictures. <laughs> they Hated distributed to my it. They distributed it. We they kicked your ass it. in 1776. Give me someone. I, oh, they gave us Joseph Cotton. That's right. Yes. That's the other thing. I hate Joseph Cotton in general. Uh, so when I saw his name come up, I was like, oh, fuck. I forgot he's the one in this one. Uh. Didn't you wish Orson Welles would come out and say, I should be in this movie? Yes, hello, yes. No, I'm going to do something with Pia Zadora instead because that seems like a smart <laughs> career move. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you very much. John, can we go back to your story of how you – how this? Oh, yes. I, I, uh, I, I had dessert with Vincent Price back in 1980. Oh. A blind date? He, he, was, uh, he was traveling around college campuses and things doing a, uh, a one-man show on uh, – uh, Oscar Wilde. Oh, thank you, Oscar Wilde. Um, oh my God, that would have been amazing. It was you got actually in New York, uh, John. How was mm -hmm. it? Uh, okay, my my memories of it from 1980 were that um, it was he was very thorough in his uh, very thorough in his uh, in his research. He had the physical what I believe to be the physical manifestations down as far as you know the the thing with 
Oscar Wilde's teeth. He was never happy with them. So every time he talked, he sort of held, held a hand over his mouth so that huh. people wouldn't see his teeth. He laughed uh, quietly and things. Uh, he did readings from those things. And it was fascinating to watch when my, up to then, my experience with Vincent Price was in these films. Sure. Films sure. Because, yeah, he's a trained Shakespearean actor. So. Right. And so um, what happened was I had uh, taken my then girlfriend out to uh, the Northwood Supper Club. It doesn't exist anymore. Why, when I was a freshman in uh, at Northern Michigan University up in Marquette. And uh-huh. uh, we, walk, we were walking through after dinner was over. And I looked over at this table and there was a, a, a fellow dining alone. And I went, holy shit, that's Vincent Price. And she said, nonsense. And I was brave back in 1980. So I walked up and said, I just want to say that I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of the work. And he says, well, why don't you join me? So we sat down and had, <gasps> well, I'm plotting so hard right now. My panties just flew oh my, my body god. and left the room. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, oh my God. This is me totally geeking out. What did he eat? Oh my god! Right. What was his dessert? What did he eat? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, seriously. Uh, 1980, uh, <laughs> large parts of my brain are missing from, from that period. Thanks to you. Okay. Uh, fair enough. I was a member. That's okay. You can. Yeah. You can get I, I do remember the conversation because he was doing a lecture series to went al- that went along with his one man show, and it was titled "The Villains Still Pursue Me." Oh, ooh. and he talked about how his career, you know, turned into playing these over the top villains, and the conversation moved to the Doctor Fibes films, which I had never seen. Okay, his, wow. he was describing these scenes, and I was just sort of staring at him like. This is the craziest concept I've ever heard of. Oh. This doctor without a face is going around murdering people. And he actually talked about a, a second sequel uh, that they had been toying with in the late yes. 70s. Yeah. He called it Fibes Resurrectus, but I don't, I don't know if that... Yeah, uh, another name. Uh, it went by a couple of names. Yeah. They but better off the theater of blood. That, I consider that the, the second sequel. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same movie, different concept. Yeah, uh, Theodore Blood was he was killing people in Shakespearean. Uh, yeah, exactly, and that really gave him a chance to show off his stuff too. Because right. he's like, now I'm, I, this is what I do. This is what I was trained to do. Everybody, step back, hold my beer. Yep. I got um, you know of the of just to wrap that up. Um, I found in the limited time I had in his company that he was a he was a kind man. He was a generous man. He bought dessert and uh, and he was generous with his time. My bits and price. I would have kept that dessert forever. <laughs> Uh, I I just uh, spoiler alert I didn't. Uh, <laughs> John, John's, John's got this melt, <laughs> this like moldy ass corroded melted Sunday <laughs> no. freezer on his mantelpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. This was the banana I, split that I shared with <laughs> Vincent Vincent Price. He bought me a strawberry phosphate too, but I spilt it. <laughs> He was a, he was a very nice fellow, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation very much. And uh, his his lecture was great. His performance as uh, Oscar Wilde was was uh, to in my eighteen year old mind terrific. Uh, and I, I enjoy the memory of it. It was like it was like I knew him for like ten minutes. Okay, I love that. I love that. I'm I'm yeah, sur- yeah. that was a fast that was a fabulous story. I had no idea about that. Yeah. That's why, you know, that's it's not like why I haven't known you since like 1997. Never brought that up before, but whatever. <laughs> well, that's why I, you know, I, I tend to give, I tend to give the guy a pass even for the, even for the awful films. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, he, he doesn't need a pass. They all work in some way or another. Well, he's, yeah. he did a lot of clunkers, like particularly late in his career. But usually he's doing his best in them. Like he's the, but the movie around it. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Oh. I'm looking at you. What was it? Uh, Monster Club is terrible. Yeah. House of House of Seven. House of House of something. I oh, House of Haunted Hill. No, 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 no. It was one he did in the 80s. Yeah, Bloodbath at the House of Death. Oh, yeah, oh, that's Bloodbath terrible. at the House of Death. The one he did with, the one he did with, uh, 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 God damn it, Ricky Arnaz? Uh, no, no, this was a British no, film. No, 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 this is, there's another one he did with, it's like, Christopher, it's like all the horror legends and Ricky Arnaz, and that's not his name. No, you mean Desi Arnaz Jr.? Desi Arnaz Jr., thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did one with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Yeah, and it's based on a play. It's based on um, um, uh, House on Baldpate. Seven Keys to Baldpate? Seven Keys to Baldpate. It's based yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. But it's terrible. <laughs> you know that Theater, theater of Blood is, was a show on, on the British stage in West End? Was it really? Yeah, with James Broadbent. Huh. Oh, I love him too. Okay, well, let's get back to the movie for a bit. Yeah. No, that was a great. No, that was a great segue. I loved every second of that. That was juicy. It was meaty. John got us juicy. And we're back to Zoom masturbation. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he's killing off these ten doctors, and we like we don't find that out. We don't know what's going on for a while. Like we just like see random strange deaths we figure it out eventually like, the police are figuring it out so he's killing the 10 doctors that uh, the nine doctors that he's responsible for his well death. eight doctors and one nurse why was there a psychiatrist at the at his wife's surgery <laughs> one of the questions i had to I, ask i i, I assumed uh, because it made no sense i assumed that he was there because he was treating her for a prolonged illness which again the backstory on the wife and her illness yeah a few points that are lacking yeah, because the guy who, who dies in the Plague of Frogs' death oh. said he's like, I'm a psychiatrist. I was like, wait, what? Why were you – okay, whatever. You notice that was like a swingers party that he was at? That was a total swingers party. aspect to this whole movie. Can I ask a question? What happened to him? Like, what did that mess do to him? Did it strangle him? Did it crush his head? It crushed his neck. It said – you know, people think it crushed his head. I think it crushed his neck bone – and and he bled out from his ears and his nose. Yeah, that's what I was going with too. Because I said yeah. I'm like I'm not really sure what's happening to this guy. Because what happens is he goes to a party and he's like, oh, nobody told me it was a masquerade party. And they hand him this fancy frog mask. No, Fives hands it hands it to him. I yes yes, which says to me not only did he plan to kill all these doctors, he actually got a party together and invited <laughs> all these people. I believe that. Excellent. <laughs> because as we know, British people will go to anything. Like like society people are like, oh, we have to go to this. I don't know who this is. Oh, it's Dr. F yes, we've heard of him. We haven't heard of him, but we're going anyway. Oh, they're going? We have to go. That sort of a thing. By the way. And British by the way, if it's a swingers party, that's a whole thing. <laughs> British police are the most incompetent. Everybody dies before they figure it out. Yeah. Well, Literally expect when you have, I mean, he might as well. I mean, the guy's name was what? Inspector Trout, but it should have been called Inspector Flounder. Well, they kept calling him different names. They, you know, I know, they, I know. They, they, they he got every fish was, name. You know? Well, yeah, Pike. Yeah, Inspector Pike. Uh, and you know, the other guy's name was Crow. So the two police officers are Trout, Trout and Crow. Mm hmm. So they're odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seemed like that. I, I seem to remember that being from previous viewings that that joke was bigger, but it's not. It just happens like once or twice, and that's it. But I guess it was hilarious at the time. Whatever. It's all good. What I love about the Terry Thomas death. 
Terry, uh, Terry Thomas is one of those British character actors who was in everything. Yes. Like, and I'm on the American side, too. So him I recognized even in high school. And he gets one of the longer setups. Most of these doctors, they come in, say, two lines, dead. Yeah. But he gets, he gets a nice little setup. He has a nice scene with his, his housekeeper who's going out for the night so he can watch his vintage pornography films. I love it. <laughs> and I love the porn. Well, that's the thing. The porn was old. The maid doesn't know what a screen is. She's like, what's this? <laughs> oh, it, it's something to keep out the cold. The draft. <laughs> the draft. Even though it's to- the door was totally open at the bottom and the top, it's keeping out the draft. Oh, I know. Doctor. But yeah, it's like oldie timey, like 1910 silent movie f- film. But then when you go to Doctor, uh, the main doctor, uh, Doctor, what's his name? Uh, Vesalius. Doctor Vesalius' house, that place is Mod City. Oh, with like little, with like little, like Moreau kind of weird paintings of women. It's got some of the best paintings uh-huh. on the wall. I had like with like the sixty swoops on the wall. I'm like, so I don't know when this movie's happening, and it doesn't matter. It's happening in all times. You Bye. remember Terry Thomas's name in the movie? Because that's a that's one of my favorite parts of that scene. What's his name? Longstreet, and they make a point of saying it several times. Longstreet, and when you think about what the movie was. <laughs> And his reactions of all Nivea, it just really underscores that there was all this psychosexual shit going on. Oh, it's, like, it's, a, it's one of those, like, carry-on jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly that. Perfect. Uh-huh. We're going to make vague, subtle innuendos. <laughs> yeah, like but what I love about that scene, at some point. His, his maid finally goes, or his housekeeper finally goes out, and he gets out the projector, which is, you have to run by crank. So he's cranking, watching this sexy movie. I'm like, how are you supposed to crank your crank when you have to crank the camera at the same time? I'm very confused by all of this. He was cranking and drinking, by the way. He was cranking and drinking and not spanking. He was cranking, he was cranking, not spanking. And when the and, and when the thing finally breaks down and the mountain comes in, he's standing there with the crank with his crank in his hand, just sort of, just sort of flipping it around. It's like it, it's free. Yeah, it was all free willy at that point. That poor crank. It was just spinning in the air. Oh my god. And there's one point where she like steps on something and you can know that they did like a whole stiletto thing. They had so much going on. And the snake charmer in the porn movie was actually deep throwing the snake at one point. Uh-huh. I said, oh my God, this is brilliant. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was very Devil and Miss Jones for its time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know straight porn too. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. He winds up draining all of Terry Thomas's blood while he's alive into little vials and leaving them neatly on the mantle. It's all done very neatly, very surgically. But the thing is, he loses his fa- fabulous Sarah Coventry piece or, you know, his, his little necklace that's from, like, the QVC Joan Rivers collection. Yeah, with a little Jewish insignia on it. Yeah, because, ma- of course, he can't just kill people. Like, it's elaborate setups. <laughs> yes. I mean, even down to, like, these... In his lair, he's got these wax figures of their heads that he keeps the necklaces on. Then he puts the necklaces on when it's that person's time to die. And then he puts the necklace back on them and he melts their face. Like, this does nothing for anybody except him. And it's just so elaborate. I'm like, this guy put a lot of work and money into this whole thing. Wow. Yeah, it has to go a certain way. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he has a whole thing. But he lost his necklace there. And that's what finally clues the police. And, like, they know something's weird because it's like we've had two – Three doctors die in really weird ways. 
We don't see the bees, though. We don't see the boils, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that was a budget consideration. I don't think they could have they, could, they had more, any makeup left for that. Well, oil. that yeah, that you know, it would have been <laughs> deals where they're throwing, you know, styrofoam peanuts around on set, you know, black black spray painted styrofoam peanuts. And I hate that shit. So it's just as well. It's just as well we don't see that. We don't need it. Yeah, well, we wasted, they wasted the budget on those close ups of the bats. You oh, know? The bat. uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and the rats. The rats is another point because it was great close ups of the rats. Gnawing on the guy's inner thigh. Yeah, the sexiest part. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he loses the thing and he takes it to the, the the jeweler and the jeweler. What I thought again, terrible police work. The jeweler's like, "Oh yeah, I made this. Uh huh. It was part of a set. It was part of a collection." <laughs> and he's asking all these questions about who made them. At no point does the policeman go, "What does this mean? What was this collection for? What is it a collection of?" Well, he does say at the end, I, if you want to know, I think they're Hebrew. And he doesn't even ask him. The guy offers it at the very end. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he's like, he's like Hebrew for, doesn't ask Hebrew for what? <laughs> Just leaves. <laughs> he he says, oh, got to go see a Jew. Uh-huh. Well, we got Well, you know what? We got a cameo. We got to have a cameo from big famous, you know, Britain's <laughs> Jew. The Welsh, the Welsh Jew. Yes. The Welsh Jew. <laughs> the Welsh official Jew, too. He had a very tight contract. He's like, listen, I get all Jew roles, period, done. All Jewish roles have to go to me. So you have to write them into the script somewhere. Any and Semitic he tells, actor. He's the one who tells them that, oh, yeah, this is, you know, the symbol from the, from the getach. The getach. The getach, which, which is, is the Cleon for, for plague. Yes, for the 12 plague, uh, 10 plagues of Egypt. At a certain point, did they correct the pronunciation to getai? Yeah, later on, I think the trout does it. Yeah, somebody figures out, oh, no, it's actually pronounced Gatai. Yeah. And now, Claymo, I'm going to turn the conversation to you for a bit because this, this now makes sense about something we were talking about earlier. See, we were supposed to have another guest here today. Uh, when I worked at, this, at the melodrama with John, we had another actor there named Don Windsor who has ghosted on the show two times previous and now has ghosted us again. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know why he goes to this because he lives in Australia now, right? And Gatai is pretty much Gatai. <laughs> oh, Gatai. Gatai, Mike. Gatai, Mike. Uh, it's his curse. What can I tell you? Yeah, he's like, he's like, clearly Don is responsible for the 10 plagues of Egypt in some way. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> well, hey. Uh, goes me once. Wallabies. Goes me once. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, yes, that's the 11th plague that they didn't get a chance to get to was the, 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 the curse of the wallaby. The plague of Don? <laughs> <laughs> he was probably ashamed. He's like, oh, what if it's a video chat and they see my newly sprouted marsupial pouch? <laughs> well, I definitely would want to see that. That was what so warm. What if he's not living in Australia at all? What if he's like holed up in like southern Arizona? <laughs> And the camera turns on, and he's like, hi, I'm Don in Australia. And he's just standing in front of an Outback steak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living in the attic. <laughs> in the Outback Steakhouse. That's where he's so Don's in Outback. Okay, I got it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I just settled. I'm like, okay, since we had oldie-timey porn, the, maid, the housekeeper didn't know what a screen is. We have oldie-timey cars with his picture drawn on the windows, which I think would cause me to draw more attention to the car. <laughs> And you got all these oldie-timey things and the generic British look. 
the yeah. classic British stuffy look on everything. I'm like, okay, it's oldie timey. And then they played one for the road. Yeah. At yeah, one point, that's... I'm going, okay, so it's 1943. Yeah. And then the date kept changing. But again, it's just the fun that the movie's having, which well, I appreciate it. To save money, they filmed on a pre-existing 1920s set. So, oh really? It had all those boobs and vaginas on it. <laughs> no, that that the I think they I think what's his name uh, uh, Faust, the scenic designer. He added a lot of that shit in there. That uh, but okay. the actual his lair was all this old uh, already created um, set that they used huh. to save money. Okay, no, great, good recycling, great. That's good. I like. Although I'm picturing I'm picturing the set designer storming around the set going, no, 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 we need more veggies over here. <laughs> I need nipples. Don't you remember I when he, need when he killed clunge, more clunge, more <laughs> knobs. Yes. No, wouldn't it? That, it's norks. Norks. Norks and, norks and clunge. Minge over here, clunge over here. That's a clunge, that's a minge. I asked for a clunge, not a minge. You're fired. <laughs> Volva right here. Volva, please. Listener Dave Woody is on the floor right now. He's one of my best listeners. <laughs> he taught me the word clunge. <laughs> I, I have no response to this uh, at all. <laughs> well, it's okay because I learned it from a British person, so therefore it's a classy word. So, okay. so it's clunge like clinch, but with a vagina? Can we not talk about this? <laughs> be like be like the, your attitude to the movie, Vinny. Just let the details wash right past you. <laughs> You've gotten all the information about clunge that you need. <laughs> so... Vulva. Vulva. Okay, so, so we've talked about the bees, we've talked about the bats, we've talked about the uh, the blood. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about the hay. How, how non-plused was that housekeeper? <laughs> yes. About finding her? It's like, oh, <laughs> employer like, dead. It's very typical. Very well. He's in the room with her, and she's just like, wow, well, you know, just casually talking about her dead. Well, look at him. He seems so pale. Uh, he's British. <laughs> oh yes, that's why and, you know for sure. And, and those bottles over there are his blood. Yes, just, uh, well, he did lock his red wines, you know. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And it, it was very thin blood, by the way, which made it even more British. Oh, oh. well, well, this wasn't blue. No. Oh God. Yeah, I think uh, hell was next. Yes, the the hail thing. That I I had to admire the hail thing. I, I mean, think that's it's cool. That's when I mean that's when it really started getting bizarre. I mean, really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, because at a certain point, I realized I'm like there was whoever. Well, I know who made the movies. A Lee Wanell, whoever made the original Saw movie, had yeah. to have been inspired by Doctor Five because oh, with completely. all the contraptions and the overdone stuff, and also the ending, is total Saw stuff. And this is oh. one of those things because Doctor Fives has a doodad for this one. Please, please, somebody tell me about what goes on in the scene, please. What they would, well, would go ahead, John. No, you go ahead. You you, you go ahead. He has like what what might be like this nitrogen little uh, air jet that he plugs into the car, and to replicate the hailstorms, it sends this. In the movie, they say a hundred degrees below zero Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. and the guy's just frozen solid. Mm -hmm. And, and the guy turns, then they're sitting in the car, and he says, let me show you. Like, they needed to see anything. And they turn it on. This air comes out with, like, snow. And they say, oh, well, and they close it. But don't turn off the machine. So this guy's still getting pelted with the hail. The 
poor guy, he's gonna just shatter into a million pieces. <laughs> but that would have been that, cool. <laughs> one of the oh. things I didn't get about the scene was, and maybe I missed it because it happened very quickly. Volnavia comes in one door with a doll and sets it yeah, up. Yeah, the music box. Right. Is that yeah. just to distract him? From the I don't other know what that music box is supposed to be. I, Volnavia does all these little things as distraction. Everything she does is distraction. So you get this right. idea. Because she was he, in this particular scene, she was bait. Because this guy's in his car always, with the chauffeur, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, there's a woman broken down on the side of the road." I'm sorry, that was the wrong. Oh, excuse me. That's, that's there's a young lady broken down on the side of the road. We must offer assistance because she's just a girl and clearly knows nothing about cars. That sort of a thing. So they pull over to help. The the chauffeur gets dumped. Yeah, gets knocked out, and they, the, she. You're, you're right. She comes over with that. Dude, yeah, because I did wonder when did Dr. Fibes have time to strap this up to the engine of the oh, victim I, car? And I said that would make sense if he's doing that while Volnavi is like, I'm just going to put this really weird, creepy thing in here with you. Okay, got to go by. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened so, you know, it happened so quickly. It's like she comes in one door with the doll, and the next minute that he's right there with Zoe's, why did, you know, the the time frame just confused me. And by the way, I don't think the chauffeur survived his encounter. No, he did. He was out. He was supposedly shocked with something. That's what they say in the movie. Ah. They, they, yeah, yeah. They, he gave, he got the Vulcan knockout grip. Yeah, That's I, what I, I thought. I think, but I think he was shocked. They say there's some exposition where he says, "Oh, he was shocked by something," you know. And Trap says, "Oh, get the bloke to the hospital." That's you know that. Well, you know they were. Yeah, I guess the. <laughs> In whatever time frame, they didn't have Vulcans in this world, in this universe yet. They would have been like, a what? A what? It's a what? Okay, so the, so, so the chauffeur did survive. Yes. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense then, because this guy never kills anybody that doesn't need killing. Right, because he only, nine must die, nine <laughs> must pay. So he's not taking any extraneous victims. No, he's very, all of this is... So if the chauffeur dies, it's like, shit, 10 die. <laughs> now I got to start all over again. One me, one me, one me. <laughs> I'm sure he was a dick too, okay? He was a dick too, okay? He was a dick. You know what they do in this movie that they cover a lot of things is that when Five shows up, he, people look at him and they just, he looks at the camera and he says, okay, he's going to make this happen. They never really show you how he does things except for the Terry Thomas piece. And even right. that, and the nurse. And the nurse. But Terry Thomas, like the nurse, don't react. Like, you, if you've got people tying you up and taking your blood, wouldn't you scream? Uh -huh. well, well, I mean, I've been watching that show on Netflix, Very British Problems. Yeah. And apparently, all British people live in fear of embarrassment. They'd be like, oh, you know, I should probably scream, but, you know, it might disturb someone next door, and I'd be very embarrassed if they came over and found me tied up to a chest. You know, I'll just die. <laughs> So I'll just I'd rather die than talk to that person who's standing close to my house, you know, my neighbor who's out on their lawn. I'll walk around the block seven times so I don't have to talk to them, that type of thing. So they might just choose to die. It's very possible. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you, 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 I love the fact that they had this boiled down whatever cabbage shit that they created. Oh, yeah, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Okay. Yeah. I love okay. that one. I love that one, too. That's a memorable one. I have a, I, there was many things that I caught this time about that one that made me crack up. And the next was the rats. Yes. 
know, the rats. Now, this is where this is where the police actually have an idea of what's happening because the cop grabs the car and goes chasing after the airplane. So they knew something was going to happen. Yeah. You know, they just were always either just behind or they were actually in the room when, you know, the unicorn comes flying through the door. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that one too. Yeah, we'll get to that one too. <laughs> I, I, the only part I didn't like about this scene, because the guy's up in the plane and all of a sudden there's just rats everywhere, so the plane crashes, but the part where the guy playing the pilot goes, I'm sick and tired of these motherfucking rats on this motherfucking plane. I was like, that is really corny. <laughs> that will never catch on as a social media meme someday. No way. No. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> How did the rats get there and nobody saw it? They checked the engine and everything else, but no one notices the five dozen rats in the fucking plane. Or that the weight of the plane is severely off. <laughs> but again, doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter, but you know, for all we know, like Fives hooked, like what they like had them parachuted him in from another plane, like Target. You know, he doesn't, he can do anything. <laughs> they were in little anti gravity suits. <laughs> they were they were dressed as like the stewardess and you know. <laughs> yeah, yes, right. yes, in a in a biplane. Yes, the stewardess <laughs> in a biplane, John. That's exactly right. I'm your hostess. I'll be here. <laughs> I tried to wheel the cart, the beverage cart over to you, but unfortunately, <laughs> hey, it's there's no aisle. <laughs> it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I once wrote a sketch where somebody tried to hijack Wilbur and Orville Wright, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's a tootie. We'll be up with your meal. That would be problematic. <laughs> you hijack Wilbur and Orville Wright, you know, I'm assuming mid-flight, and you're like, well, okay, how does this work? <laughs> These don't exist anywhere. Is there a manual? Didn't say it was a good catch. (laughs) No, I mean, I love the idea. It's a funny way to end. Everybody dies. (laughs) Hilarious. We're going to take, I want to take this plane to that part of the beach over there. Yeah. Um, And in the midst of all this, Joseph Cotton is the go-to guy because Joseph Cotton plays Dr. Vesalius, who was the head surgeon on us. We spent a lot of time with him and his son with a really weird dubbed voice. Yeah, Lem. Lem? That's his name. His name was Lem? Lem. <laughs> I'll leave it that. I'll leave. That kid's never getting laid. <laughs> never. Lem? Yeah, well, he's got a hole in his chest now, so what else are you going to Lem? Yes, yeah, Lem Vesalius. Lem Vesalius. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and he's the go, he's the contact point for the police, and I just gotta say, like he's blandy, bland, 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 like getting non-plused. No. Oh well, someone else is dead. At least in theater of blood, that guy, the guy, the that the main target was a huge asshole. Yes. Who you wanted to die, and you're kind yeah. of disappointed when he doesn't die. I had no feelings about Joseph Cotton whatsoever, which is kind of a bummer because we spent a lot of time with them, and I just found him very dull. But I don't like him, and I'm biased. But, you know, it's okay because what's next? Like, oh, Beast. The Curse yeah. of Beasts is next. Oh, Beast, cattle. And what do they do? The most random thing to kill somebody I, I ever saw. I, how did he ever made that happen? <laughs> That was like, it was sitting around saying, we've got to kill this one. We can't bring in cattle. What can we fucking do? Well, what's around? And they looked around, and I swear to God, they looked on the set, oh, we've got the head of a unicorn. Let's make that work. That's (laughs) Okay. Okay, we've locked him 
in the de- in the deadly cage of cows for three days and nothing has happened. They just keep like him. covered in shit, but nothing. <laughs> They're milking him, but he likes it. But the, the best part of it is, it's in the guy's private club, and he, there, he's impaled, and people go, "Shh, this is a club, you know." I know. Well, guess it's Britain. I, I did. That's yeah. This is one one of the that more campy the moments team. of the thing because I don't know what what did he open? I thought it was an elevator, but obviously he opened not. Opened the door, and it was catapulted from across the street. So this this unicorn head, brass unicorn head, <laughs> has been catapulted. With pinpoint accuracy, laser accuracy, across the street, through this guy's hotel room, through the door to hit him square in the chest, and it's totally okay. <laughs> and to pale him, just not just through the wall, the through the wall. That, that <laughs> horn comes out the other side. But just then, they, one, have to, but then they have to unscrew him. They have to unscrew him. They have to unscrew him quietly because it would disturb the club members. <laughs> You can't disturb them now. What, what, what? So you're just, seeing this, you're just seeing this stuffy guy in a chair being stuffy British reading his newspaper. He's already yelled at them once. And the only reason you know they're unscrewing him, which, by the way, it was a left-handed screw, so they had to go the other way. <laughs> you just occasionally see, like, the neck of the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Passing by, coming from the hallway, like eh, you're not seeing the whole thing. Just like, and they'll come back as well. Like, and it's gross. It was the most random extension of this of the plagues I've ever. Oh my god. Okay, but, but my favorite, my favorite line, and I wrote it down. My favorite line is from the 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 yelling detective, the chief of detectives. Oh yeah. A brass unicorn has been catapulted across the London street and impaled an eminent surgeon. Words fail me, gentlemen. <laughs> That was the this best. is the third unicorn head catapulted death. <laughs> what? What's I to be done? This fan. Jack the catapulter must be stopped. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, how, how, how the annals of crime would have been different if they didn't get the Not catapult. just the murders. It's all, it's all the merry-go-rounds that are not functioning. Oh, that's oh, right. Taking the heads. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's a pig. So, so it, was, it was with this murder that the movie kind of took a turn. Yeah. Yo, oh, this is, murder made it a turn. <laughs> this one. Well, no, no, this one, this, one, this one didn't even, wasn't even camp anymore. We were going for straight up comedy now. Because yeah. much like, I, I was comparing it to Theater of Blood because it does have a same similar arc in that, in, I'm sorry to keep bringing up Theater of Blood, but it's an awesome movie. And if you haven't seen it, go see it right now. But... That movie starts with that vicious knife murder, the Julius Caesar murder, which is horrific. And the next one's horrific, and the next one's a little less, and they just keep getting campier until the time, you, by the end of it, you get the one with the poodles which, and, and the hairdresser, which is just- oh, I love that one. Totally. Hi, I'm Butch. Hey, dishy, oh. dishy hair. Ridiculous. It's absolute comedy by that point. This one oh. kind of does a similar oh, arc. It tries to do that, but uh, they, they've, this one set the groundwork, and Theater of Blood, ran away with it because it does get sillier and sillier in the right way as the movie goes on and that is the high point of it right there you're fucking unscrewing a guy from the wall like you do on a tuesday oh god okay oh, <laughs> unscrewing a guy from a wall mondays right <laughs> jeez
<laughs> not so well. Doctors, every time a doctor checks into this place, you wind up unscrewing them from something. Be careful you don't hurt them when you unscrew it. Uh, the wall, a dead hooker, something. Always, oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Very sorry. 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 Did it hurt? Sorry. So, oh, sorry. That must sting. Sorry. <laughs> Ridiculousness. <laughs> the next one is the plague of locusts, and this one again took a turn for me because, in order to pull this off, it's the nurse. It's the one female death that happens in it, and why the preparation of the mysterious serum? Yeah. To get. The locust to eat this woman's skin off never struck me before because he's basically boiling down Brussels sprouts. Yeah. There are so many contraptions <laughs> to boil down Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like it's Frankenstein's lab. Like he's not just pouring Brussels sprouts. They're coming in through this like plexiglass chute. <laughs> like they're coming in from a silo when we have already seen them walk in with a bucket so you've taken them out of a bucket put them in the chute and it's apparently in another room dropping them sure he's dr fives he knows what he's doing okay now yeah. senor patrick i had to just stop you for a second this great part about this scene piece was that in the the realm of analyzing this movie it really demonstrates visually the care and planning he took to do all the murders so in one murder you see how he went through every single one must have been this meticulously planned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love that part of it. Because I said, this makes, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he doing this? And then you have Vincent Price saying, yes, this bustle proud. No, that's not good enough. No, exactly. That's not good enough to eat her face off. <laughs> <laughs> This will not be good enough. This, the, the locusts will not like this. To be perfectly honest, this also confirmed my childhood suspicion that Brussels sprouts are of the devil because I'm not convinced that the, Brussels sprouts, that the Brussels sprout serum itself wasn't what ate her face off. <laughs> <laughs> See, because I would have liked that better. But then you don't have locusts. I know, I know. You got to have the locusts and a gimmick. Yeah. It just, it was so. If why you're going to focus, up, I mean, focus with the locusts. <laughs> but how do you not wake up when your face is covered in liquid Brussels sprouts? She took a sleeping pill. She probably drowned by the time the locusts ate her face anyway or suffocated. Yeah, because she was really covered in that shit. She had some. I can't, I can't, I can't go there. I can't. <laughs> I can't. John's laughing. He knows where I'm going. <laughs> Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> okay. Okay. You okay. It was vegan. It was vegan bukkake. It was vegan bukkake all over. The That's right. Vegan bukkake. I hate everybody. It's just once again, the movie's a way ahead of its time. My guests are not supposed to encourage me into the gutter. God. <laughs> but I. That makes. You're sense supposed to be my anchors to pull me out of the gutter. <laughs> now we know the origins of bukkake. It's Doctor Five. Muscle sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sexiest vegetable of them all because i guess they kind of have a vagina look i got nothing i got nothing stop let's move on move on, move on, move on. but i love even it's so meticulous that this is another one you get to see the behind the scenes of how it's doing is that you're seeing him sneak into the hospital that the police actually ride the elevator with dr fives at one point and they're just like hello and just keep going <laughs> oh, no. the police. it's the doctor and the nurse the victim two intended victims the two surviving intended victims ride the elevator with Dr. Fives, and they're just like, yeah, hi. Let's not talk in front of the help. They stopped their conversation because the help was on the elevator, but the help was Dr. Fives. And he goes upstairs above her room, and he's going to drill a hole in the floor. But he doesn't just, like, drill a hole in the floor. He has to actually lay out a template. 
with t- nipples on it. Well, of a woman with a face. <laughs> with a face. Smiley face. <laughs> that he puts in front of himself. <laughs> First, uh, oh, wait, this is really specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, showing that meticulous planning. Uh huh, uh huh. Because, like, if he grilled a hole through and that person under there did not have nipples like that, he'd be like, okay, wrong room. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a murder schematic. I have, I have no words for that. That whole scene was just showing the nipple. I said, this guy loves his nipples. <laughs> Vinny? Yeah? Who doesn't love nipples? Well, you can't milk them. We know that. <laughs> I love them. I wear them on my shirt. Vinny, Vinny just stunned me into <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the primary function of a nipple is to milk them, but I don't care whatever. <laughs> I hate everybody. Okay, yeah, I love I just this see It's... It's during this, like actually before they find the nurse, she's dead, but they haven't found her yet. They're having a conversation with um, the police are having a conversation with Joseph Cotton. And like, well, the, the cop finally is the one who says there's 10 plagues, but there's only nine of you. And what's left? Darkness and, 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 and death of the firstborn. Which they switched. They did switch that. Yeah, because the last one is death of the firstborn. I know. Darkness. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Fake news. Yes, but, but that's why it's important to have a rabbi at the beginning of the film actually giving you the order. So, uh, and 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 the fundamental Christians would say, "What translation?" <laughs> okay, you can't trust a Jew to tell us about the Bible. No, no, exactly. Thank you. What do they know about the Bible? The Old Testament. <laughs> Jesus wrote that too, you know. No, no. Well, um, well, no. <laughs> yeah, and at no point. Previous to this, did anyone say, huh, he's got us like they were the cops were not thinking in advance very much. They were thinking no. one step in advance, so they all suck a chest. Oh god. At no point well, did somebody say gun. Go, John. Yeah, even Vesalius, he says, Well, thank God my older brother is dead, so we can't, you know, really? That's where you went with this? Uh huh, because therefore I'm not the eldest born, and also he was a huge dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all glad he's dead. <laughs> but Kraut finally has an aha moment. He said, well, but what about your son? And that's the first time Trout actually jumps ahead and figures something out before it happens. Yeah. But it's too late because Dr. Fives has already kidnapped Lem. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, Lem, so lame. Short for lemon, apparently. <laughs> lemon party, Vesalius. <laughs> <laughs> The interesting thing, I did find out that Vesalius is actually the name of a physician from the 16th century that wrote, yeah. the, wrote the book on human anatomy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Googled that too. Well done, sir. Well Thank done, you. sir. Well, the name was – when I was looking at the IMDb earlier, because like I said, I got to do at least some research on this, even though I'm tired. <laughs> I saw – I was like, that name's weird. That name stands out. Yeah. must mean something. All the names stand out. Uh-huh. All the and you, and you, well, that's not all that stands out. Carry on. So, Carry on. <laughs> back to the unicorn. <laughs> so, uh, so are we at firstborn now, or did we? we uh, yeah, we're there. I mean, they just find the nurse, and she's just eaten uh, down to the bone, right. and her hair. It's 
phony yeah. paper hat. She slept with you know, a paper hat, which I thought was fun. No, she didn't. No, she did. That's my imagination. Well, I like the fact the way the, the, the nurse's condition when they find her is like, when you compare it to the, the shot of his wife and the condition that body was in, yeah. it's completely the reverse. So, Yep. Okay, so we're back to the, the firstborn. Yep. The firstborn. Poor Lem. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other thing that was weird because like lem is clearly like 13 yeah 14 something like that yet they're like oh poor lem's been kidnapped they're holding his toys like the cops are holding his like his paper his little planes i'm like is there something wrong with Lem that we don't know about <laughs> i mean you know, i guess lem? whatever that might have been a choice later on, you know, maybe in the in one of the earlier scripts, the kid was supposed to be younger and everybody kind of balked at the idea of putting a five-year-old under the knife. Yeah, that, I, I agree with John. That's, that's possibly. We do, the first time we see Vercilius, he's playing with Lem's trains. And it's kind of got a weird look. Was it? Because I got the idea that they were Vesalius trains and Lem is not allowed to touch them. That's what I got. <laughs> you know what? No, that I, is straight up what I got. You know what? I think you're right. Yes. Lem's not even in the room. Lem comes in to, to, let the, to bring the cop in. <laughs> Those are Dr. Vesalius's trains, and you do not touch them ever. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting on my trains. You're sitting on my trains. <laughs> Don't touch my choo-choo. Do not touch my choo-choo. <laughs> and we're just, back. To just can't help yourself. Carry, carry on. You, you can <laughs> handle my caboose, but don't touch the choo-choo. <laughs> The caboose, you can't handle the caboose. <laughs> Keep your unicorn horn from my caboose. Oh no. No. Oh no. Oh, no. So now, great. So now we're doing. <laughs> I can't think of what they're called because I'm overtired. Now the joke's over. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> I was going to say, now we're doing. I was going to say, not a medley. What do they call them now? Oh, we're doing plague mashups now? Yeah. Okay, we're just blending them together. Good. Yeah, What's that oozing out of your unicorn horn? Is that green ooze? Ew, gross. Ew. <laughs> Boo cocky. <laughs> <laughs> green cocky. Okay, wait. wait, wait now, now I'm thinking about this. So when you oh, oh this, not, I'm not thinking about that. No, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the belt. Clemo, uh, <laughs> Pondus oh, Bukaki. Come on. Next on Scream Queens. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, you know, we have this. So we have the kid on the table. We yeah. know that they see that this, this guy who has been virtually burned over uh, 100% of his body has done some very skillful surgery to put a key next to his heart. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. All right. And at yeah. the same time, he has ordered his, his servant, uh, Volnavia, to destroy everything, which she does. With an axe. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Badly. Yes. This is not the way to destroy everything. No. No, no. She's like, I'm going to use the axe on the canvas paintings. Yes. That's about it. But um, what's happened is, what's happened is, like, uh, the, the kid has been kidnapped. Dr. Fibes calls Dr. Cotton. Uh, Dr. Cotton. Dr. Fibes. Thank you. The organ plays till midnight. At midnight, your son's daughter come to this address. Come alone. Six minutes, like my wife. That's later. But yeah, when he gets there, he's like, he finds that his son has been strapped to this table. And then his neck has an iron collar around it that keeps the table from moving. And then there's a chain, and it's chained to the wall. And 
Dr. Vesalius is given the same conditions that killed the wife. You have six minutes. Six mi I'm playing the audio for this, like, so it, it will be better. I'll fix it in post. But, yeah, it says, you know, six, my wife lived for six minutes on your table. Now I'm doing cancer box voice, but that's okay. Like six <laughs> minutes on your table. Your son only has six minutes, blah, 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 blah. And there's acid. And if that's not enough, like, and if that's not enough, it's not like at that point we're going to kill him, we're going to shoot him. No, we're going to drop acid on his face <laughs> through this, like, huge contraption, like this huge timed out whirly gig pigtail corkscrew thing coming down from another room, by the way. It's a hole in the floor, not even in the same room. Scene designed by Rube Goldberg. <laughs> Everything is as complicated as possible, but again, that just shows how much I've been working on this. Because they say at one point, this guy's had decades to plan this shit out. He'll always be one step ahead of us. And that's true. Yeah. And so that's the thing. He has a key close to the heart, and he's got six minutes to do the surgery to save him. But the whole time, like, Fobbs is in his face, like, bim, 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 you can't do that. You know, like, uh-uh, nuh-uh, you ain't got uh-uh. talking him. Yeah, uh -huh. bitch. Yeah, exactly. Totally bitch talking. It's amazing. Yeah, and all I can think, I'm like, oh, my God, what was his breath smell like? Then I said, but no, the breath is coming out the side of his neck, so at least it's not in Dr. Cotton's face or going in the kid's heart hole. <laughs> I like the fact he had plugs on every floor of his lair. So oh, yes. He had gramophones <laughs> and plugs on every lair. The wall saying, unit. <laughs> wait, wait. Don't cut in yet. Let me plug myself in. I can, I can taunt you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. At no point did Joseph Cotton just go and pull off the, pull off the plug. <laughs> just shut up. Shut the fuck up, yo. <laughs> I am trying to do something here. Of course, I'm thinking, because this just popped up in another movie that I just reviewed last night, which is terrible, which we won't go into. But because in that movie, somebody was stitched into somebody else's body, like a kid got stitched into a corpse uh, to, to get him to escape something. Oh, my Lord. And in that, same thing here. I'm going, well, don't you just kind of have to open the stitches then? Yeah. yeah. The wound's pretty fresh. He's got to pull an alien there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, half the work is already done for you, Dr. Vesalius. God. But then again, on the table, I'm sure that nurse wasn't like, you suck, you suck. Yeah, you're going to cut him, you're going to cut him. He's going to die, doctor. He's going to die. Yeah, baby, you think you could cut. Mm-hmm, Lunavi, come on here. Show That's why they had to have a psychiatrist on in the, in, the, in the surgery theater because that nurse was known for taunting the docs to yes. the point where they had to. Like, right the other side. It's like, your nurse is insulting you. How does this make you feel? I had to, the psychiatrist coming over. You're okay. You're okay. You got this. You got this. You're okay. You're okay. You're good. <laughs> Pour water on his head like in a boxing match. It'd be great. <laughs> You're not gonna murder him to death, Rock. Yeah, <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> but the police arrive. He does get the kid out in the nick of time. Except, except, except. Well, yeah. So, yes, yes. The cops arrive, and she's gonna hit them with the axe. But she all of a sudden she's hesitant. Like they're British cops; they don't have guns. Hit them with the axe, girl. Well, she she's also like this. Okay, like I, like I, this is like I was planning on returning this fabulous gown I have on. 
<laughs> you know, I bought this to break everything down. Like, I'm not really planning on getting a blown on it because I can't really afford it. You know what I mean? I don't get a lot of money working for Dr. Mm-hmm. Fives. I'm just saying he's kind of a cheapskate. But... Well, keep in mind that throughout the entire film, she never kills anybody. She is accomplice, but that... not, you know. So the idea that she would just naturally start hacking at the cops. Yeah, I, I agree with John. She just doesn't do that. She's not able to act independently. Uh, it's not in her programming. No, I'm, again, the argument, she's some kind of like robot. Because she had the ax up and she froze. Yeah. Right. She's a robot. Right. I said, oh God, he had a sex bot. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Because <laughs> oh, no. you know he had like, he had a Victoria face that he would put on her every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that his wife's name was Victoria Regina Fives. Yeah. Yes. So she was Queen Victoria. Yes. yes, exactly. So I'm sure this is all a subtle plug at the aristocracy as well. So I mean, at the ro- at the royals, but that we don't get because we're stupid Americans. But did you get when you saw it, like from the point of view of Volnavia after she is evidently acided to death, uh, the gown still looks pretty fabulous, even from that angle? <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, she was standing directly under it. It hasn't been burned. It hit everything but the hat. Well, it's probably it, it was possibly the '70s, so it was all polyester, and you know that shit. You could set it on fire, and it's not going to burn. <laughs> fall pretty, fall pretty, fall pretty. It was made from the same as asbestos things from that fives wore. Vintage, vintage. You're right, vintage. You're right, right. I do like that. They, like because she has this hat, this like turban headpiece on that's like a giant pin cushion. Uh, and the shot, you know, the police are coming in, but she's already been hit with the acid, so you're kind of seeing it a shot up from the floor through the hat while they're all looking at her body but the little tines on the hat are like quivering <laughs> yes as she melts as she melts <laughs> and they do you know and and they do you know they look at her but you never see any real revulsion on their faces oh you see a little revulsion but they're british right I was just right. thinking that perhaps they were seeing a, a you know, a, a, a puppet. They were seeing a robot that was melting and not an actual human being. So they would have been left. I think that would have been just as freaky. But again, they're British. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, not another one of these. <laughs> oh, no. This is worse than the doctor's porn film. Oh, nobody knows. Nobody told me they had a nude. <laughs> the Volnavia 3.0 was out. I have the Volnavia 2.0 at home. It looks nothing like this. I wish I had known. Where's our hand crank? I need it. Oh, go, shh. <laughs> you hush your mouth, sir. And the ghost of Terry Thomas shows up with, I have one right here. And what is he here? Why is he here? <laughs> and Terry Thomas, when he sees Vincent Price walk in and thinks, oh, nuts, a threesome. You know, it's like... <laughs> He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, hello, who are you? Like, you're in my house. There are two strangers in your house. Uh, Terry Thomas, okay, but we're, we jumped all the way back now. But yeah, it's the end of the movie. There's one plague left, and Dr. Fives has now disappeared. They can't find him. They're looking all over for him, and it turns out... He's under the floor. Uh-huh, because the final plague was for him. Yep. The plague of darkness. And yep. I... I misremembered this because I figured, okay, yeah, I remember him like entombing himself yeah. with Volnavia, uh, not Volnavia, with his wife, with the body of his yeah. wife, who is oddly not 
decomposed for having been after a decade has not decades. decomposed. I assumed he just re- he did the makeup thing on her face that he did on his own face. Or I don't know, whatever, whatever. But he gets in there. I thought he just entombed himself alive, but no, 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 no. It's Doctor Fives. He's got yet another contraption to yeah. involve himself alive. <laughs> yes, because it must be easy to remove your blood and and uh, replace it with embalming fluid. He's super chill about the whole thing. Apparently, well, so. I I think honestly. This is where it's like a it's like an ancestor of Darkman. I don't think he can feel a fucking thing. That's, That's possible. Because that, that 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 I saw a lot of parallels the way Darkman Darkman revenge aspect of it and the fact that fives everything was burned away. So hmm. okay. it's possible. And you, yes, and you really don't see anything but in any skin but his face. Even he's wearing gloves. So yeah. You know, so, hmm, okay. No, that makes perfect sense. Is he also a robot? What's happening? Who built him? <laughs> By the who way, I was so Who built you? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I am so pissed that there's never a scene in the movie like in the poster where he kisses Volnavia. Well, she's not his love. I know, but you, I expected that to happen. He's got they, no lips. He's got no lips. That's true. That's true. It, it's true. Yeah, come on. You never didn't like one of those bike kisses. Come on, you could have made it happen. Well, it was probably planned, but, you know, she didn't look up. <laughs> oh, I was going to say goodbye, but somebody walked right into the acid. A dur. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, craft peripheral vision on sex bots. <laughs> it would have been such a good opportunity because they like would have been flies and maggots and they like would have flown into her mouth or something. Yeah, great. Right. And what I love, too, is that they don't – the cops – don't figure it out. They're just like, well, I guess he's gone forever. <laughs> Which now makes Dr. Fibe a legend. Yeah. Yes. Legendary mass murderer, Dr. Anton Fibe. He could Fibe. still be out there somewhere. They're, they'll always be waiting for Dr. Fibe to return. They only had to wait like a year or two, as a matter of fact. But- mm-hmm. And he ends up in Egypt, but who cares? It's in the Middle East. Yeah, I didn't like that one. Like the, not memorable for me, so. The, the best kills were at the beginning. The one where the big fat guy answers the phone and the, the spike comes through it is the best one. Oh, I love that. And you I, like the one where the, I like the one where the guy winds up in the bottle. <laughs> sure, I, sure, yep, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you think Fives has like this thing, this steampunk view kind of thing going on. Like he's got all these contraptions that seem to work. and It is proto-steampunk. It is proto-steampunk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. And I think, boys, yes, that does Dr. Fives. I think that pretty much does it. So does Volnavia. Okay. It does not. Gross. Gross. I hate you now. I just got visuals. And like, now I'm like, oh, going through all these weird pornographic Rosie the Robot oh. from Jetson scenarios. <laughs> it's a whole, nother, a whole nother meaning to the word boned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. yeah i do all the time why okay boys thank you very much for joining me but before we go guys we have to let everybody know where people can find out more about you where they can find you where they can say hi john clemma where can people find out more and what what shows you're doing and by the way if you're doing anything in the october november region i will since we're doing this so far in advance i will do an extra bumper at the end saying if you want to see john in whatever bullshit crap thing he's doing now. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, you, really, okay. well, if um, you really want to. Actually, uh, I'm not uh, 
the company that I started here back in February is doing a uh, multimedia presentation of War of the Worlds in late October. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, which which I uh, which I wrote. Do you play the world? Uh, no, I play the. Hey, war. leave me alone, aliens! I'm the world. <laughs> no, I'm actually the war. It's like oh, okay, okay that does make sense. I'm coming that, and I'm war and I'm mad. That does make um, more sense. Yes. So. Uh, so uh, yeah, you can basically find me on Facebook um, if you want to say hi. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. There will be all that information will be on the show notes. And Vinny Murano, what about you? What do you got coming I, up? I got uh, stuff coming up at the uh, Actor Studio. Um, uh, also on Facebook, uh, you can get, see the updates on any productions I'm going to be having. Probably going to be in this year's Frigid coming up. And and the Frigid Festival, sure. Frigid Festival and. Uh, probably going to be post doing a uh, a play or a reading that will include a special guest who is on the show currently. Oh my God, John Clemo, that's so great! I made a match. Thank you, John. I'm such a yenta. Oh, you guys, you guys. All right, thank you very much for joining me for this ridiculous Halloween countdown marathon. Thank you for helping out the kids at New Alternative. But before we go, gentlemen, just one last thing. Yes. 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 Happy Halloween. <laughs> oh my God, you guys were so scared. <laughs> My beautiful, beautiful Screamers is going to wrap up episode 239. Thank you again to John Claymo and Vinnie Murano for coming out and playing with me, for helping out the kids at New Alternatives. And I also want to give an extra, extra thank you out to Mr. Vinny. Because those of you who've been listening for a while know I had that little battle that wasn't so little with a staph infection back in March that had me hospitalized. For almost a week, it was Vinny who finally called 911 for me because I was doing my best Irish stubborn, saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I can handle this myself. And, <laughs> okay, my leg is three times its normal size and it's completely black, but I'm fine. I can make it to the clinic myself, but I couldn't. And,. Vinny had offered to take me, uh, drive me to the hospital on this particular day. And when I called him that morning and was completely incoherent, he just said, fuck that, I'm calling you an ambulance. So if he had not done that, Lord knows what would have happened. So thank you. Thank you to Vinny Marano for that. Mr. Vincent, thank you. And helping hands like that save lives. Vinny potentially saved my life. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes that one person doing one little thing can save a life. And that's something that you can do right now. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash SQ and make a donation. And that money will be put into immediate use, making somebody's day a little less awful. And with the continuing bad news that comes out of this administration, as bad 
as this homeless LGBT problem among the teenage among teenagers is it it's only going to get worse. Look at the things that they're proposing. Completely erasing trans people. It's identity, completely. You do that, all of a sudden, healthcare goes away, housing goes away, you have no rights. These homeless kids, homeless LGBT teenagers are extremely vulnerable. The transgender population is extremely vulnerable in our community. If we don't step up now and help in some way, they're going to be gone. If you can't donate, if you've got nothing, vote. It's almost election day. If you're not registered to vote, there's no excuses this time. We're playing for keeps this time. They're erasing the T from LGBT. Do you stand up and do something? Or you're the good man who sits aside, does nothing, and lets it happen. You decide. You decide. Help somebody today. If it's not no alternative, just do something decent, for God's sake, and vote. That's free. That's going to cost you nothing. Vote. Vote, 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 vote. And if you've got $21, I would love for you to donate it. I'm really upset. This whole thing has me fired up, and I don't have the words to say it all properly. I'm stifling my anger right now. Not at you. Not at you, just the fact that they, this administration has the audacity to continue to attack and attack and attack people who are already so goddamn vulnerable and, and potentially helpless to make them even more so. I don't abide bullies. You know that. I used to be one. I hate myself for that. I will never forgive myself for that, which is why when I see it, I can't let it continue. Which is why I'm doing this. Which is why I'm telling you to vote. I'm going to get off my soapbox now because, like I said, I don't have the words. I'm still a little swimmy in the head from the flu shot. I'm not feeling great. I need to lie down, and I don't want to take it out on you because you guys are fabulous. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Podathon. Thank you for joining me through this whole process. Those of you who stepped up and donated, thank you. For those of you who are going to donate, I thank you in advance. And for those who haven't or are not planning to, I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. But it won't be nice. So I'm not going to say anything at all. Okay. God, Jesus. So tomorrow, we are definitely going to be talking to director Troy Escamilla. He has the movie Party Night that's out right now, available on Amazon Prime. His movie Mrs. Claus, this Christmas slasher movie, is coming out real soon. He's winning all kinds of awards. Check out his movies. He'll be here tomorrow. Who's coming with him? Oh, my God, Roger Connors back. Yay! Yay! He's my final girl from Chill the Killing Games. And he was here to talk about He Knows You're Alone. He's got a sleigh full of movies coming out for you, including another Christmas horror movie. He's going to be starring in Mother Krampus 2, where he'll be playing a gender-fluid Slasher. And we're going to find out all about that tomorrow for real. And I know this because I already did the episode this morning. I edited the whole thing, the whole conversation part, before I realized, oh, this isn't the episode that's supposed to come out today. Do I break the schedule or do I not? No, no, no. We have the schedule out. Let's stick to it. Okay. 
I get stuff wrong all the time. I'd rather have it <laughs> stick to the stuff that's in print than rather than the crap that's coming out of my mouth because Lord knows I'm not flying from a script right now. So anything's possible. Anything's possible. And hey, as you know, anything's possible with the first episode of November too because it's all up to you. I'm sacrificing my Halloween season to do this potathon joyfully, willfully. I've done it for years. And now I'm doing it for a great cause, which makes it even better. But when Halloween comes around, ugh, if I see one more severed limb, oh my God, another paranormal haunting. Oh my God, are you transforming into a werewolf? Oh my God, get out of my face. I'm so sick of you all. That's how I'm going to be. That will be coming out of my mouth on Halloween. Oh, what a great costume. Get off my lawn. That will be me. But you are my Halloween. So whatever you do this Halloween, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about your parties. I want to hear about your haunted houses. I want to hear about some hayride that went wrong. I want to hear about some great prank you pulled on someone. I want to hear about some great Halloween prank that got pulled on you. I just want to hear what's going on because your voicemails are going to make up the episode. If you heard a great ghost story, let me know. If you've got a great urban legend in your area, I want to know. And also on the other side of that, hey, I want to see your costumes too. I want to see your kids' costumes. I want to see your pets' costumes. I want to see if you decorated your house. Give me your Halloween, damn it, I want it. I want it now. Not now, well, because Halloween's not here yet. But hey, if it's not from this Halloween, if you're proud of another Halloween, send them on. I want to see it all. I want to see it all. They're all going to be shared on Instagram for the world to see and say, oh my God, this guy's got some amazing listeners. And I say, no, I don't. I have all the amazing listeners. I don't know why I just turned into Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I just heard John Clemo say, turned into Faye Dunaway? Bitch, you are Faye Dunaway. Oh, Clemo, Clemo, you live in my head. I haven't seen you in 20 years, but you live in my head. Get out of my head and into my, get out of my head and into my car. Now I'm Billy Ocean. What's happening? Oh my gosh. So, Get that information into me, and you can do that by picking up your phone and dialing 917-720-2047. Or, if you're old-fashioned or fancy, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. Instagram is Scream Queens Podcast. And of course, donate, donate, donate. HTTP colon slash slash fundraise dot new alternatives nyc dot org slash SQ. What's that SQ for? Scream Queens. That's right. Yes. So until tomorrow, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place, but make this Halloween a little less creepy for a bunch of kids in need okay and you know how to do that i'm not telling you again today anyway and oh wow i almost forgot never ever ever forget for a moment the scream queen's golden rule fight or flight survive the night make it to the final reel baby let's mark my words there's a fight coming let's make sure we're standing at the end of it all of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches!